Where speakers share tips from the road to make the platform explode, this is the Key 5 Podcast with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Corey Mosley, a spirited and creative entrepreneur who works as a change catalyst to help other entrepreneurs and sales teams think and act more progressively and thereby create breakthrough performance. Let's get started. So, Corey, uh, in one sentence, what do you speak about? Um, I speak about how to become more credible, likable, and bankable in the marketplace for professionals and uh, organizations and, and companies. I like the succinctness of that, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially the likable part. Um, Corey, tell me, how did you end up in the business of being a speaker? Um, I, I always, um, speaking was always part of my, um, part of my kind of life um, from a teenager uh, when I competed in you know, uh, the, the Technology Students Associations or the Catholic Forensics League. Um, I, was always, I was always competing in uh, extemporaneous speech and prepared speech. So it was always something that I was going to do. And then ultimately when I made the decision to not become an attorney, um, <laughs> which would have given me the opportunity to, to litigate and speak in that manner, um, I said, well, since I'm not going to do that, I still need to do something, you know, with, with this voice and this passion and, and kind of, um, some natural skills that I think um, I was born with. Well, I've seen you on stage and you're amazing. And so clearly, if not in front of a, a, a judge and jury, you're very good in front of a broad <laughs> audience. So that's fabulous. I appreciate that. So, you know, we all learn things as we go along. What, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you had got started? Um, I think that, uh, and I'll, I say this, and it doesn't mean I would have done it differently, but um, what, what I think about when you ask me that question is the idea that if you are good at putting, delivering information, you don't necessarily have to be an expert on that information. And early on, I spent so much time because I talked to entrepreneurs and salespeople, um, I waited for a, a period of time to, to really go to market um, because I didn't feel like I had acquired enough real world experience or enough. Um, I talk a lot about authenticity. So I had this feeling that, you know, well, I hadn't, I hadn't made enough money uh, as a salesperson to, to talk to other salespeople. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't made a million dollars in my company yet to, to go out and talk to business owners. So, um, and then I, you know, I realized that meeting different speakers and watching different people, there are plenty of people out there who are good at delivery. They can curate information. They can, they can take someone else's information and, and make it a way that is deliverable and actionable to, to people. Um, but they necessarily, you know, didn't do it themselves or, or didn't come from the actual background of what you're talking about. So I think that was something that I held off for a while because I, I could have helped people um, with other people's information, so to speak, you know, accredited to them. But um, I could have curated content and delivered content, I think, very a lot earlier to help people uh, make progress while I was on my own journey. So I'm not sure I would have done it differently, but it was definitely something that 
I thought, I, I thought, you know, you really had to be a super, you had to be an expert's expert uh, to really be talking to people because that's how I judge the people that, you know, that talk to me. So, uh, you know, somebody's never going to give me parenting advice that doesn't have kids. I get my mind. That's how I feel. So, <laughs> Well, I think that really resonates with our listeners because for many, it's at what point am I good enough to talk about my content? That's right. That's, uh, but if you have the gift of being able to speak and influence, then clearly now's the good time to get started. Right. And I think to that point, you, it's, a, um, it's also what you're talking about. So you know, if I'm going to sit and talk to somebody about how to build a million-dollar business, then I absolutely better had built the million dollar business in my opinion. That's just, that's just the way I think about it. I, I think you have to, that, that's a unique area where I think you need to, you know, to, to have that type of information, how to make six figures as a salesperson. And you're talking to salespeople. I think you should have made six figures as a salesperson. Um, that, that's just my general, that's just my general thinking about things. Makes sense. And, and uh, I think for some, it's when do I get started? But, you know, if you've hit those six figures, you can talk about it. Sure. But, you know, maybe you're not at seven yet. Maybe you're close to it. You can still right. talk about it. Right, right. So um, tell me, Corey, one of the key things for speakers is they, they look at, I want to put together a presentation. Mm-hmm. And, and there's always a key story. What is it that what's the process you follow, I guess, as you develop a key story um, that you may use in multiple presentations? You know, I think it's important to, I think honing in on that signature, that signature piece. Um, So when I say credible, likable, bankable, um, we call it the presence principle. That's a cornerstone keynote a cornerstone presentation that I do um, Mm -hmm. that, that of course is, is filled with stories um, that speak to that message that speak to each individual area of the message. So I think it's very important when you're building that story, a, I think it's always better when it's your story, of course, than versus someone else's story. But uh, I think it's important to get in alignment with that. I, I was, I, I did an event several years ago with a gentleman named Rory Vaden, who's, who's, um, very well known in the industry. He's got some best-selling books, and you know his signature piece was "Take the Stairs." That was his kind of signature keynote. And um, I was doing an event with him, and I met him. We're both we were we were both very young, and we were even younger back then. And I and I asked him a question. I said, "Man, you you've probably given that speech a million times." Um, I, I said, "You know, every time I speak, I try to make it different." <laughs> and he said, "Well." this is the first time this audience has ever heard the information. So I've been perfecting my delivery, perfecting my message um, over and over and over again. So to this audience, it's, it's new and unique. So I, I, so it changed my thinking about presenting and about being challenged to try to change all my content every time or change all these stories, get really, really good at executing and, and building those stories around the message. So what's your core content? What's the message? And then what can you pull from your life or experience? Or again, if it has to be something else you've observed happening to someone else, that's fine. But still put your stories in to connect the dots with your message to reinforce it. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I appreciate that. So what, what are you doing, I guess, to make sure that the presentation and the stories you're going to share will be relevant to your target audience? 
watching step one is know before you go. <laughs> I think uh, I think you have to know you know know your audience, know who you're dealing with. I just came back from uh, doing the, a, a a conference called Inbound, which is HubSpot's big uh, annual convention. I don't know. I think there's like 21,000 people there or something. Wow. And um, so I came back from speaking there and I was speaking on like the third day. So we arrived early and, you know, again, I'm a continuous student also. So I'm attending other people's sessions. And what I found interesting, because Inbound is it's really a marketing conference, but you have entrepreneurs, salespeople, marketers, ad agencies, that type of thing there. But what I found interesting was nobody was talking uh, nobody was asking the question in the, in the audience about, you know, making sure they had the right target people in front of them. So I think there's things, you know, you need to have as much information before you go to, to do a gig or to go speak as possible about the audience. If, if it's, if it's very, very formal and organized, meaning you're working with a meeting planner or that type of thing, then, you know, having a, a, a survey, having a pre-call with the client, all of those things would be important to understand the audience. If it's a more broader conference where, you know, it's not so much an individual organization, you know, you're not going to speak for, you know, Microsoft, their executives. Well, you know who your audience is at that point. But if it's a more general conference, like something like what I just came back from, mm -hmm. the first thing I did when I opened was I said, by a show of hands, who do I have in the room? How many of you are? A, marketers. I saw my marketing hands go up. How many of you are salespeople working by title? Salespeople, hands go up. How many of you are entrepreneurs starting, you, you're running your own business? So I understood right then and there what to do. Now, my content was static, meaning that was already, you know, submitted weeks ago mm -hmm. in terms of what was going to be on the screen. But I already knew my topic. We already knew what, what I had agreed to deliver. But at that point, for me, I happen to have a natural gift that makes me a little more extemporaneous than maybe some people are able to be. So I was very easily, from my perspective, once I understood the breakup of the room and the makeup of the room, as I got to my content, I could uniquely state things or go a step farther or give unique insights that spoke to that audience as I went through my content. Fabulous. And I got to tell you, I love that term, the breakup of the room and the makeup of the room. That's that's a great stellar statement. I'm going to remember. You can tweet me on that. I will tweet you on that one. That's fabulous. So, Corey, clearly, you know, there's a big gig. I'm going to trust that was also a paid gig for you. Uh, but do you ever suggest to speakers that they speak for free? And if so, why? So I, I think, you know, what's interesting, I'm, a, I'm an active member of the National Speakers Association. I'm a credit inside that organization um, with a designation called Certified Speaking Professional which is a pretty rigorous kind of um, rigorous kind of thing you have to go through to, to get the accreditation and not, not really saying that because I'm special, but what it creates is in participating in organizations like that, it exposes you to people from all different genres, all different topics, all different backgrounds and all different scales from people who are making zero dollars to people, uh, you know, who I've been fortunate enough to know now who make seven figures doing nothing but speaking exclusively. Mm -hmm. And what I find by that, the danger in outright answering, you know, the question generically is that what someone may have to do to start is maybe not what they, you know, again, where they are in that scale. So speaking for free, especially if you're trying to hone your craft, if you're trying to get known, if you're trying to uh, do different things like that, then of course, uh, 
anybody and most speakers, successful speakers will tell you at some point, then there's certainly nothing wrong with doing that. Now, strategic speaking, so meaning if you're going to speak for free, what is the strategy behind it? So if you're now our paid speaker, you do, make, you do derive your income from speaking, and now you're faced with the opportunity to speak somewhere, um, what is the strategic purpose to why you would do it for free? So you got to break those genres up. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to get known, get experience, get referrals under your belt, get some people on camera talking about how great you are, get some testimonials going, you're trying to build your uh, credibility base to fit into my uh, credible, mm -hmm. likable, bankable. If you're trying to build your credibility base, that's a different reason than saying, I'm going to go speak uh, at this association, they don't pay speakers, but I'm going to do it because I have a product or service that aligns with, you know, with the market. I'm able to sell back in a room. Uh, they're going to, in, in situations where I've spoken for free, uh, they're going to record it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to help me, you know, add, add to my library. They're going to, uh, they've given me a booth within the convention section. Um, where I'm able to sell books or I'm able to sell virtual training or other products and services that I have. So strategically speaking for free is what should be the kind of cadence if you're not just doing it to try to build your credibility. So there is a place for it or a reduced fee or, you know, there's times when I've spoken for a reduced fee in exchange for uh, book sales. So a lot of times people don't realize that the budgets are different. So they may have a budget for educational uh, giveaways or, or different things like that, that is not part of the speaker's budget. So where I may have reduced my fee to do the keynote, I said, oh, you know, how many people are going to be in the audience? So there's going to be a hundred people. So uh, you need to buy a hundred books. I'll give you a deal on the books. You buy a hundred books and then I'll reduce my speaking fee. Well, that came from two different accounts. Mm -hmm. So while the money might've been the same, they might not have been in a position to pay my full fee. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the keynote side, but they had other monies in the educational budget uh, or promotional budget where now they have a tangible book. So I think you got to just be thinking about always think, cause I come from a sales bank background, always think about how to make the deal, not how not to make the deal. I know, I know guys that get big fees that, Hey, it's a slow month. They've taken some deals and there's a debate on fee integrity and what, what, Everybody's got to do what's right for them. So I, I would never advise anybody to pass on a, a pass on a gig that would get them exposure or get them somewhere just because they need to have this hard line of, you know, oh, I don't speak for free and that's it. Um, makes sense. That makes sense. Corey, that, that's brilliant. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that will resonate very much with our listeners. Just as we wrap up here, any um, secret uh, trick or tip that you can share about speaking that uh, to help? <laughs> um, uh, you know, drink tea. No, I don't think, <laughs> I, I think from my perspective, um, you know, I, I would say you got to focus, and I say this to the, my audiences too, I come from the school of focus on your strengths. So, you got to get in touch with those strengths and then you got to get, you have to get in touch with your gifts and focus on your strengths. So I spoke earlier, I said, you know what? I have a little bit of a knack for extemporaneous speaking. I, it's just something I can do. I can, I can take a core outline of a message and I can, you know, my wife laughs, she travels, she works with a company, she travels with me. Um, 
and you know when people ask her you know do you get tired of you know sitting in the audience and seeing him you know if he's talking about the same topic or the same thing and she says no because he always ends up saying something different um, than, than he did last time. And it's just simply because I can get caught up in a moment and, and change that delivery. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. So I work on perfecting that gift or doing more of that gift. Um, I focus on my strengths, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be important from the perspective of, uh, I wouldn't call it a secret a secret or a trick, but focusing on strengths. What are you good at? I know a lot of people, you know, oh, you know, you got to make people laugh. Well, I'm naturally humorous. So <laughs> there's things that I do that are naturally humorous. I think it would be, it's very, very tough for people to, um, to simply think they're going to go to a, a, a humor workshop mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden be funny at the presentation. When you can find your, I challenge people to, to find their way to, to, to deliver you know, their strengths. Um, Robert, part of the reason why we know each other, obviously, is from, is from the Key 5 conference. And, you know, as you looked at all the speakers, including yourself, everybody had different kind of had different approaches, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm very powerful on the platform. There were people that were more low-key, people who had dry humor. There were people, but as long as they're able to be authentic, I think the people who struggle and will continue to struggle are the people that try to be somebody different when they get on stage. Absolutely. That makes sense. And I think that's great advice, Corey, uh, to know yourself and know your strengths. And uh, really appreciate the time and what you shared here, Corey. And this is great. And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Thank you. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about how to love your voice and learn how to refine it to make it better. Very few people I've met ever like their voice, and yet it's the one unique aspect a speaker can bring to the stage. Every voice is different. As long as you speak loud enough to be heard and clearly enough to be understood, your voice is fine. Step into it and embrace it. You may not like your accent. Many second language speakers think that's what's holding them back on stage. But the audience likely loves it for being different and interesting. You may have grown up in a quiet, or in my case loud, household and think any boisterous talk is of the devil, but don't let your own notions be the final say. Everyone can improve their diction and their rate and change their volume, but the real judge of your voice has to be your audience. Refine your voice based upon feedback from real people who want your best stage presence to shine. And unless you have that reason, your voice is awesome. Keep it. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. Maybe it's just my wife who says she likes the sound of my voice, but I've come to accept it is what it is and to make the best use of it. On our next Key 5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Dr. Kelly Edmonds, a leader in the e-learning field who helps speakers and others create, design, and teach online-based courses. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com.
Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.